Hello everyone and welcome back to Witch Fix. I'm Sarah and we're getting back into Wayward today, chapters 11 and 12. A quick recap of what happened in chapters 9 and 10. That episode ran very long indeed um, because those are some quite long chapters and I think this episode is going to be similar in length because a, a lot of stuff is happening and the chapters have gotten a little bit longer. But what happened last time was that following her initiation Michaela or Stone as she is now referred to as her coven name got to learn some basics of magic some glamours some uses of conjuring powder and is obviously now believing in magic and learning how to be a witch we're also getting to see a little bit more of her and Cray getting together and laughing at my attempts to write teenage romance and also we're getting some hints and a bit of information about what's really going on behind the coven the second coven in bristol has been mentioned a few times there's a little bit of mystery building there so stick with me and see if you can pick out a few more hints throughout these coming chapters chapter 11 ilix takes me out after my second week of being an initiate when i've just got used to glamouring things changing myself is another thing entirely because i can't see myself and using a mirror is no help because the image is backwards and it makes changing my face or hair really hard. You're going to have to start with the basics of self-glamour and it's a lot easier to look like nothing than look like something, Alex says as he leads me down the long windswept drive to the university and on towards the nearest student building, a crescent of red brick. I'm pleased with my clothes for once, mainly because they're my old clothes, only done up with glamour. My old black jeans are shimmery like fish scales and the faded My Chemical Romance t-shirt the one I could never wear or be mocked by Chloe, is now brand new and signed by the whole band. The best thing is, I've changed my trainers into black patterned heels, four inches high, but I'm still as comfortable and able to walk as if I was in my old shoes. Magic. You can't beat it. Ilex tries the door at the back of the building, but it's locked. Usually some drunk idiot leaves it open, he says, but to get through locked doors, you can use this charm. He takes a white stick out of his pocket and shows it to me. There are runes carved on it, and the end has been sharpened to a point. It takes a moment for me to realise it's not a stick at all. It's a bone. What is it? Skeleton key, Ilex says with a dry grin. I'd meant what kind of bone is it, but Ilex is already pushing it into the lock, probably from the same dog we ground up for conjuring powder anyway. Gross. The door springs open, and he steps into a dimly lit hallway. What if there isn't a keyhole? Ilex looks just a little impressed that I thought to ask the question. Then you'd use the spirit of the creature that gave you the bone. You'd summon it and get it to open the bolt on the other side. I thought about this as he led me through the warren of corridors that smelled of block toilets, beer and hairspray. Would a magic dog spirit be able to draw a bolt when a real dog couldn't? Maybe it was a guide dog ghost. The halls look pretty grim. I'm pleased not to be going to university or even finishing school if it means I don't have to live in a building that smells like old pee and has posters about sexual diseases and rape all over the walls. Over our heads glow yellowy lights and behind the doors I can hear music playing, two girls arguing, a lot of canned laughter and two people having sex. It stinks and it sounds like a fucking zoo. Two people come through a door at the end of the hall and walk towards us. A boy and a girl, though they're both wearing the same amount of makeup, which the boy can't pull off. Orange eyeshadow? Yuck. His nose is a mess of acne and he's got the greasiest hair I've ever seen, which, considering I'm living in a squat, is saying something. I falter, but Ilex keeps walking, nodding in a vacant kind of way at the two students and passing them, bumping shoulders with the boy. Watch it, the greasy student says. Sorry, Ilex mutters. 
I pass the students and go through the door with Ilex. We end up in the stairwell, listening to people laughing over our heads. Ilex shows me the key he lifted from the boy's pocket. Shall we see what's behind door number 180? He grins and leads me off to the second floor where we find the door to 180 and unlock it. Inside is the messiest room I have ever seen. Old plates and glasses are stacked all over the desk and there are tangled jeans and pants all over the floor, mixed with magazines, bits of printed paper and more mugs with scabby dried out coffee at the bottoms. This is disgusting. This is the face of modern education, Alex says smartly. Go on, have a shower, then you can help me search. What are we looking for? Alex shrugs. Anything we can use. I open the door into the little ensuite shower. It's in almost as bad state as the tiny study bedroom. There's toothpaste all over the mirror and the sink is caked in soap, shaving cream and bristles. The shower is wet and steamy and it grosses me out to think that a naked student was in it lot long ago, even if it wasn't the greasy git we passed in the hall. But after a few days of not being able to wash properly, it doesn't take long for me to get over myself and start taking my clothes off. I put my glamoured gear to one side and get into the shower, turning it on and listening to Ilex creeping around in the other room. While I'm lathering up with what's probably Greasy's girlfriend's shampoo, I think about the last few days, the things I've been learning. It's still a kind of dizzy thought that magic is real, that I can do it. Me. I've never given any thought to being anything other than normal, but here I am, being a witch, going out nights with Cray to look at the stars and kiss in secret spots all over the campus. Michaela might have been a regulation pothead, but Stone is awesome and I love being her. I wash until my skin tingles and then step out. It feels amazing to be clean at last. I mean, I could glamour my hair to look clean, but I wasn't good enough yet to make it feel that way. I dry myself off with the only clean thing in the bathroom, a dressing gown, and put my clothes on before going back to Ilex. He's sitting in a little desk chair, booted feet up on the desk. His pale blondish hair and fair skin make him look ghostly at the best of times, but in the gloom of the messy room, he looks especially creepy. Not much to find, he says, gesturing to a little heap of things in his lap. Batteries, some cash, a couple of joints and a pack of cigarettes. What were you hoping for? Naked posters of Patrick Dempsey, he says, poker faced. I grin. Can't you just zap some up? He shakes his head. Waste of energy. Anyway, we need to get on with your lesson. I thought we'd done that. You showed me the skeleton key. The key is only half of it. You need to know how to move around places like this as if you belong. If you can fool a couple of students... You can work your way up. Security guards, shop assistants, the police. He puts the things he's found in his pocket, then beckons me closer until he can put his cold hand on mine. To be invisible, you can't just throw out a blinding hex. You've got to shroud yourself in a veil. Constantly send out this signal. Nothing to see here. Look away. Keep walking. And do that by focusing and drawing your power around you. He looks at me expectantly, then frowns. You're not trying it. I flush. I didn't know you wanted me to. Hang on. I focus, drawing all the smoky blackness through me. I've become good at calling up my power, even if it does sometimes get away from me, slipping back into the cracks. I cover myself as if I'm glamouring my clothes again. Only this time, I pull the power over my face and hands until I'm a shadow. A twisty, smoky shadow. Ilex grins and his own form shimmers like I'm looking at it through a wall of hot air. I suppose because I'm a witch now, I can't be tricked by his invisibility. Just like I can tell that his black velvet jeans are a glamour, a lazy one. He's really wearing old combats. Right, now, the object of this game is to get in and out of all the rooms on this floor, Alex says. No one can see you, and you can't open the doors yourself. 
you have to be sneaky and you have to take something from each room, a trophy. I feel a twinge of excitement. I'm a great thief. I know that. I mean, I sustained my little habit with pickpocketing and small thefts for two years, and that was before I'd had magic to help me. If you get into trouble, do what you did to that bus driver. Throw them with a magic jolt and run for it. I nod, and Alex slaps me on the arm in a matey way. I'm starting to think he's not so bad. A bit of a twat, yes, but ultimately pretty cool. I'll see you outside, he says, and leaves me. My third lesson has officially begun. Once, when I was going through the bags of some bitches in the year over me, I found a bottle of really cool nail polish. It was expensive and called something fleur, which even I know means flower. The actual colour was a kind of iridescent red, really classy, so I pinched it. I got found out, obviously. The first time I used it, the cow noticed and started asking me why I bought the polish. So I lied and said boots. Only it turned out it was some kind of Frenchy stuff that her dad brought her back from Paris. I was suspended for a day and in detention for a week after that. The point is, right before I got caught, I had this twisty feeling in my stomach, the kind I always get when I'm about to get shouted at. I had the same feeling as I shadowed a girl back to her bedroom. There was no way that imagining a shadow of myself was going to fool anyone. At least when I glamoured my clothes, I could see that it worked. Making myself invisible, on the other hand, felt as effective as closing my eyes really tightly and wishing not to be seen. As she unlocked the door, I'm only a foot away from her, close enough to see the flutter of blood pulsing under the skin of her throat. She smells like damp washing and about a gallon of Katy Perry perfume. Yuck. The door opens and the girl steps into her room, throwing her keys onto the bed. I follow after her, and even once the door is shut and we're standing alone in her shoebox-sized room, she doesn't even blink. I watch as she sits down on the bed and starts taking her shoes off. Her room is papered in posters of one band, some indie shit that no one has ever heard of. Not a Katy Perry fan then, just a fan of the perfume. Why? At least, I've never seen them anywhere. There are wristbands pinned to a wall and a plastic Hawaiian flower garland draped over a tin lampshade. For a moment, I just watch her. I'm only a metre away, close enough to see the flaky skin under her foundation, the label sticking up out of her sweatshirt. I look around as she continues to ignore my presence, lying back on the bed with an oomph and reaching for a paperback. From the alcove by the door, where there's a toothpaste spattered mirror and a sink covered in long red hairs, I snag a tube of lipstick. Job done. I turn to the door. Oh, shit. How am I going to get out of the room? Never mind that it's against Ilex's rules. Opening the door would definitely give me away. Even if she doesn't see me, she'll still freak out at the door opening for no reason. I've been stupid to think it would be that easy. I look at the door for a moment longer, then realise what I have to do. Stepping into a corner by the door, I reach across and knock on it. The girl on the bed frowns, puts her book down and comes over, pushing the handle down. Her face is only inches from mine. The door opens and I slide out into the hallway. Ilex is nowhere to be seen. After a few seconds of looking confusedly up and down the hall, the girl closes the door with a huff. I slip the lipstick into my pocket. My heart is still thumping hard. I am invisible. More than that, I am the clever little witch who got in and out of a room without being discovered. I can't remember the last time I felt clever, certainly not at school or at home where dad was always correcting me or putting me down. But I am. I'm clever. I also have 11 rooms left to get into. With the next one, I hit a new problem. There's no one inside and no one going in. The door's locked and Ilex has the skeleton key. I run through the magic that I know, which doesn't take long. 
I can blind someone for an instant, get the Fey folk to protect me from detection as I steal a week's worth of food and a lifetime supply of tampons, and I can glamour my clothes and any object that I want. I stick my hand into my glamour jeans pocket. Even magic pockets can hold real items, which is beyond useful. In my hand is a collection of hair slides, my tangled earbuds, and a two-pence piece I found on the floor. I select a hair grip. The lock is silver, so it's probably safe to assume that the key is too. I picture the key that the redhead used to open her door. Silver, with a plastic cover on the end, the room number printed on it. The room number is 183, so that is what it will say on my key. I curl my fingers around the hair grip and touch the door with my other hand. I have no idea what the toothy bit of the key should look like, but I have the other side of it, the lock inside the door. Maybe if I'm lucky, I won't have to see the shapes of the mechanism inside the door to make my own key. I feel the object in my hand grow a little heavier, and when I open my fingers, there's a key in them, silver, and printed with the number 183. With my breath caught in a gleeful squeal, I slide it into the lock and open the door. Took you long enough, Ilex says. He's lying on the bed, flicking through a creased up copy of FHM. On the bed is a plastic baggie of weed, a small heap of change, and a penknife. Here, for your collection. He tosses the knife to me. The plastic case, black with the Grim Reaper clumsily stencil on the side, hits my chest and I grab it as it falls. That's two tools you've got now. Let me guess, my ceremonial dagger. He smirks. They can't all be silver athmes now, can they? I slip it into my pocket. Hurry up. Ten more rooms to go before everyone gets back from morning classes. Any hints about getting into the rest? You seem to be managing okay. Just hurry up before I get bored. I roll my eyes. Ilex has a serious attitude problem, and he's not nearly as cute as he thinks he is. Still, he's right, there are ten rooms left to go. I do well enough, I think. My glamoured key gets me into most of the rooms, the ones where my knocking manoeuvre doesn't do the trick. I start to wonder why Ilex even needs a skeleton key, although I suppose simple Yale locks are one thing, electronic keys and bolts are another thing entirely. Besides, it must be convenient not to have to take a few minutes each time to change your key into the next key you need, a key that will be a hair grip again in seven hours. Slowly, my little beaded bag fills with trophies, the lipstick, a Topshop ring, a Jack Daniels lighter, a purple candle, a tiny sequined box, a bullet necklace, a Snickers, photographs, a fountain pen. I've always been a reasonably good thief, but this is so easy it's like having a superpower. And I do. I have a superpower. I am special. And all these people, all their things, are mine to pick over. Ilex is waiting for me when I leave the last room, the door clicking closed behind me as I pocket my hair grip key. Having fun? Lots, I say. Good, because part two of this little exercise is about to start. He hands me the bag of weed and trails his hand over mine. Just like that, I feel my glamour falling away, like he's just snipped the thin strands holding it together. What? Hey! I whip round and see a tall, rugby-thug-looking guy standing in the open doorway of room 183, looking right at me. That's mine! I clutch the bag of weed automatically, that horrible squirmy feeling of being discovered crawling all over me. As he comes up the hallway towards me, I do the only thing I can think of. I run. Chapter 12 I am not a sporty girl. When picking teams for netball, I've always been chosen last, and I don't care because I fucking hate netball and hockey and any other sport that means I have to stand in the freezing cold in a pair of shorts, watching my knees turn purple while the scary ultra-sporty girls clobber each other to get the ball. I'm not good at sports or solo fitness stuff like swimming and gymnastics. 
I've had my period every swimming week for the past year. In fact, mostly I've been bugging off PE for the last few months and spending the period going through other people's bags or in the elder scrub behind the science buildings, smoking and reading shitty magazines stolen from the sixth form common area. So my decision to run from a rugby playing student, at least three years older than me and about a foot taller, is a bad one. I realise this as I pelt up the stairs instead of down and find myself in a large high ceilinged kitchen that smells of off milk and burning things. I sprint through it, already feeling my legs go to jelly and my heart trying to vomit itself out of my mouth, through the door at the end into another, more or less, identical kitchen. All the time, his footsteps are crashing behind me, thumping the plastic flooring as he shouts for everyone to hear. Get back here, you thieving bitch! I throw open the other door, trying to look behind me and running straight into a guy in his pyjama bottoms. I shove past and run through the next kitchen, ignoring his confused shout. I only remember the power, my power, as I stagger down the stairs and back to the residential floor. Only I can't pull together enough focus to glamour myself or do anything else. My legs are all shaky and as I squeeze into a tiny, dank, communal toilet, I can't focus enough to pull any power together. Oi! I can hear him shouting. Get back here! The tiny toilet is windowless and smells like bleach in someone's mega bad stomach. I cover my mouth and nose with one hand, frantically trying to come up with a way out. Maybe he'll get tired of looking and just go away. Maybe Ilex will come back and help me if he sees that I'm stuck. Even as I think it, I know Ilex will do no such thing. This is one of those sink or swim things, and I am sinking fast. Besides, Ilex is the kind of person who wouldn't cross the road to save his own mother. Although after finding out a bit about his life, I couldn't say I didn't see where he was coming from on that one. No, I was on my own. I hear footsteps going quickly down the corridor and almost let out a breath I've been holding. Then I hear him coming back. Shit, I still have his bag of weed. There's a lot in it, too much for him to just let go of. He won't stop until he gets it back. Slowly, I press myself against the back wall, desperately reaching for the power that Chronicle taught me about. It's like trying to grab a lucky penny from the bottom of a stagnant well. Apparently, my fragile grip on magic is useless under stress. Terrific. The toilet door rattles suddenly and I yelp. He bangs on the thin wood. Come out and give me my weed back, he hisses, or I'll kick this door down and drag you out. I've got my mobile in here, I shout, inspired. I'm calling my friends from the next block and they're coming to get you. There's a brief, thoughtful silence. Bullshit. You're a pinky little townie. I know just like I know Ilex isn't coming back to help me, but that I have to get away with the baggie. That's the test. Take the bag, get away, don't get caught. It's going so well so far. I squeeze my hands into tight fists, my nails digging grooves into my skin. And you're a stoner loser, I shout through the door. Trying to be cool? Why do you need this so badly, hmm? What would you do if I... I rustle the bag and then push down on the flush. As the toilet roars, he bangs on the door and I jerk down the handle and push outwards as hard as I can, shoving him into the wall opposite. I shoulder my way past him and into the corridor, my heart pumping. He's swearing, trying to get up, and I turn, throwing out a blinding hex as I claw desperately for some power. Any power. Apparently, the victory with the door has mended my broken confidence. As a gesture, he is thrown back into the door and slumps to the ground unconscious. I'm running away before any thought of checking his pulse or looking for blood where his head bounced off the wall can occur to me. Running down the dim corridors, I pull my invisibility around myself, like a thick cloak, and don't stop until I'm barreling through the outer door, straight into Ilex. Easy, he chides, holding me at arm's length as I let my glamour drop. That took far too long. But I still did it, I say, thrusting the bag at him. I did it. You did. Congrats. I freeze, recalling the heavy crack of the guy's head against the wall. 
Shit. I hope he's all right. I threw him into a wall and he just fell down. Should we go back? He'll be fine, Alex says, like he's not really listening. We should go back home. There's a ritual tonight. Lots of things to prepare. What kind of ritual? Just lighting a few candles, chanting. Alex, I say sternly. It's a secret, he explains, steering me onto the path away from the student house, off towards the wildly overgrown car park that marks the entrance to the village and wayward. Only Sophia knows the actual ritual. It's in some old language. Not Latin. Maybe ancient Greek. Anyway, we hold the ceremony every month or every time someone transfers to the Bristol house, whichever comes first. So I guess it's a farewell thing. They probably have their initiation there on the same night. You mean they don't come to the ceremony? Oh no, they stay in Bristol once they go to live there. Goosebumps rise up on the back of my neck. You haven't seen anyone who went there since. He shrugs. It's not that weird. We all have stuff to do here. They must be busy because they never visit either. But Sophia goes to see them sometimes. I cast a sideways look at him as we walk. Ilex hasn't struck me as being particularly trusting. Okay, so he must have swallowed the whole idea of magic to be at Wayward in the first place. But that wasn't believing, that was knowing. So why did he so readily accept the idea of a coven he had never seen, full of people who left Wayward and never returned, or not even to say hi or borrow a book? How many people are there in the Bristol Coven, then, I ask, as we start walking along the wooded path. There's actually quite a lot of them, but that's only because in Bristol it's easier to go unnoticed. Tons of homeless there, and a more relaxed attitude to squatting, and other illegal pursuits. He waves the weed at me. We only stay here because this is where the coven was founded. This is where we train new recruits. So once I finish my training, I'll be sent to Bristol. The idea upsets me. Not just because I'm getting seriously freaked out by the coven of no return, but because I don't want to leave Cray. Not necessarily, but most people do decide to leave. Bristol's got more going on. A lot of new recruits find it hard out here in the middle of nowhere with no clubs, no shops or anything to do but stay in and make their own fun. Who was the last person to want to stay? Ilex nudges me knowingly. Cray. Ooh, the coven of no return. Clearly, I was feeling very dramatic on that particular day. Uh, so there you have chapters 11 and 12 of Wayward and more mystery stuff happening. A lot more magic in this chapter as well. Uh, I just want to say a little bit about obviously in that chapter, there are some insults and some slurs especially used. And obviously, in a normal circumstance, I wouldn't be saying those things because they are quite offensive. But they've been written into the book because that is what I felt the characters would say, um, them not being particularly woke or pleasant. And I feel like it would be dishonest for me not to read as written. So I hope you can appreciate that. In the next chapter, we'll be getting into that secret ritual and some more stuff about the Bristol Coven. So I hope you'll come back and stay tuned for that episode. And in the meantime, obviously, if you cannot wait, you can go and buy the book on Amazon for 99p and read ahead into all of the glorious, gory stuff that's going to be happening. Drop me a line and let me know what you thought of this chapter or chapters and anything else that you want to comment about the story. Uh, let me know and uh, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.